Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. The only way to trust what any of these people say is to put them in, in the grand jury, put them under oath, where if they lie, if Donald Trump Jr. has the kind of shifting statements to a grand jury that he did to the New York Times, he'll go to jail for that. It doesn't necessarily show that there was collusion in, a, in the scheme, but it shows that uh, Don Jr. was collusion curious. Look, I think Donald Jr.'s statements stand for themselves. This is evidence of willingness to commit collusion. Definitely, he has to testify that email is disturbing. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who says his son is of the highest quality, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Back today to talk again about the Trump-Russia story, which is less of a drip-drip political scandal than an unstoppable geyser. Today, Donald Trump Jr. himself released some emails that were sure to come out anyway. They show that his earlier descriptions of his June 9th meeting with someone he thought was a Russian government lawyer were mostly lies. They also show that little Don reacted with unbridled enthusiasm to the offer of incriminating documents about Hillary Clinton. If it's what you say, I love it, he replied, especially later in the summer. But are we putting too much weight on the collusion conspiracy? Yesterday, Ann Applebaum came on the show and said she thought we finally understood what had happened. The Russians were helping Trump in hopes of repealing a sanctions law called the Magnitsky Act. Today, another Russia expert injects a note of skepticism. She thinks we haven't learned much in the last several days that we didn't know already and that we're bound to be disappointed if we think this scandal is going to save us from the Trump presidency. I'll be back with the writer Masha Gessen right after these messages. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Here in the studio with me is the author Masha Gessen. Her forthcoming book is The Future is History, How Totalitarianism Reclaimed Russia. It's coming out in October. It's going to be one of the big books this fall. Uh, Masha is also now a professor at Amherst. Is that right? That's right. Or Amherst. I always mispronounce it. Amherst. That's right. You don't pronounce the H. Very happy to have you back. Um, Thank you. A lot of people have read, Masha, your pieces expressing some skepticism about the more conspiratorial view, shall we say, of 
possible collusion or allegations of collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign. There's been a lot of news breaking the last couple of days in the New York Times about Donald Trump Jr.'s meeting with this Russian lawyer. Has your view of this changed at all? Are you still skeptical? Um, I should explain how skeptical, how I am skeptical, not how skeptical I am, but how (laughs) I am skeptical. Um, Because no, my view hasn't changed. Um, But the thing that I've been trying to say, which I know is difficult to understand, is that the existence of a conspiracy is not an excuse for conspiracy thinking. Yes. Right. I think that conspiracy thinking is really damaging. And what I mean by conspiracy thinking is this idea or this feeling that there's something that explains everything. And this Russia collusion story has been such a something that explains everything because it explains how we got Trump and it explains how we're going to get rid of Trump. And it does all sorts of magical things. And mm. that's what makes it a conspiracy idea, right? Which is separate from the existence of an actual conspiracy. Which hasn't been proved, but I've never thought that it's impossible that it will be proved, right? Um, Although, looking at what we have learned so far, we haven't learned anything that we didn't already know. You know, we didn't learn anything from what had been kept secret that hadn't been out in public. Out in public, Donald Trump Sr. had asked the Russians to produce the Hillary uh, emails that he could use to damage her. So, basically, now we know that they also did the exact same thing in secret, Yes. I guess what we what we now know, or, well, two things we know for certain. One is that there was a written overture from someone who was an intermediary for the Russians saying, we want to help you with this information, and that the Trump campaign, in the form of Donald Trump's son, received that with open arms and said, great, let's talk about it. And that by itself is, at the very least, profoundly immoral. The idea that you would welcome collaboration with a hostile power to I- intervene in the election and quite possibly illegal as well. That does seem to me to go a little beyond what we knew. It doesn't go beyond the theory, but it's, it, but it's hard evidence that the mindset existed to do this on both sides. I mean, I don't see how it's harder evidence than, again, Donald Trump's public appeal, right, unless you don't take him seriously. Which I actually, you know, I always argue for taking him seriously. And I think that his public statements are sincere expressions of who he is and what he thinks, right? Um, so in that sense, I, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not terribly surprised or even really surprised at all. I think we did know this. Uh, what we've learned is that there was, there was more of it, uh, where there's probably going to be a lot more of this kind of thing coming out. I think at some point we're likely to be disappointed because I don't think it's actually going to add up to a uh, coherent story, right? I think we're uh, we're going to end up with a lot of sort of loose ends with this investigation. There are going to be a lot of people who are sort of marginally connected to the Kremlin, or um, you know, and connected uh, and other people who are connected to the Trump campaign, who had distasteful conversations that they shouldn't have had, that didn't necessarily produce anything, right? And that's, I think that's sort of the muck that, that we're going to be dealing with for, for months to come. I mean, one thing about this meeting is it does seem to, the Russian preoccupation seems to have been, another thing you would probably say we knew already, but have been a preoccupation with this Magnitsky Act. Right. That this was a thing that, that obsessed top officials and Russian oligarchs because it hit them personally. This was the point Ann Applebaum was making when uh, she was on the show Monday 
does is there anything new in that or is that just you know we sh- we should have assumed that they were looking for a benefit specific benefit and that benefit was getting rid of this this hateful this law that's hateful to them um yeah well i'm i'm i mean i'm i am actually going to say that we shouldn't be surprised and that we did know this um and that i've i've claimed in the past that i don't think russia was particularly interested in lifting the sanctions imposed the broad sanctions imposed in response to the war in ukraine but russia is obsessed with the magnitsky act and just to repeat the magnitsky act is a law and it allows for targeted sanctions against individuals who are believed to be implicated in grave human rights violations uh, in russia so there are some 40 individuals on that list now, or actually there's an open list and a, and a secret list. And um, so we don't know exactly how many individuals are on it. And those sanctions are profound for those people. They're forbidden from entering this country, which is insulting, but probably not a huge loss. They're also forbidden from doing business in this country. And the way that's structured is that they basically cannot participate in any transactions in U.S. dollars. It's not just that they're banned from dealing with U.S. companies. They can't do anything that involves American currency. So if they have That's property here, they can't sell business. it. They can't buy property here. And they can't come here, many of them, right? They can't come here. They can't buy property here. But they also can't participate in transactions with companies elsewhere in mm. the world that would use American currency, that would use U.S. dollars, right? Because all transactions in U.S. dollars involve U.S. banks. Uh, those sanctions are a huge blow to the businesses and sort of the financial freedom that those people enjoy. And that's why they're obsessed with those sanctions. When you wrote that piece in the New York Review of Books in the spring where you where you challenged some of some of this kind of thinking, you described the collusion idea as a xenophobic conspiracy theory. Is there a something anti-Russian about this or does this go back to the Cold War? I mean, what do you think the ugly underpinning of this for liberals is? The ugly underpinning of this is the idea that makes this conspiracy something that sort of holds our attention so firmly, which I think is two things. One is uh, sort of the the willingness to immediately jump to the word treason, mm. uh, which, you know, treason is, is, is a big word. And actually treason, from what I understand, if I understand this correctly, can only be applied to to wrongdoing that it, that involves countries with which the United States is at war. The United States is not at war with Russia, or at least not that I'm aware of. Russia believes itself to be at war with the United States, but that's a whole other story, right? Um, but the, the other thing is just uh, is, is also this idea that um, that a lot of people who promote the the, uh, the story have that if you sort of uh, smear Trump enough with the Russia story, that will somehow magically get rid of him, right? And it goes to this idea that this is how we get rid of Trump, because Russia is so awful in and of itself. And Russia is awful. I'm obviously, I've spent a lifetime talking about how awful the Russian regime regime is. But there's a difference between that and sort of saying that any contact with Russia, any contact with, you know, the Russian ambassador, whose job it is to make small talk with people, and to make contacts and to make inroads into in, in, into campaigns, um, that all of that is somehow so dirty that it it can sully a politician beyond repair. So there's there are two things going on. There's the magical thinking of 
this will be the 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 stake through Trump's heart, and we won't have to deal with all this other bad stuff he's doing. And the other part of it is, yes, you touched a Russian, right? right. And there's a certain amount of touching of Russians that has to go on in social life and Washington and diplomacy. And we should recognize that it's not all part of a devious plan, right? And and um, you know, I mean, I I, I generally believe that. We, we are we're often too quick to to scream distraction, but I but I also think that this this story has distracted in some very clear ways from the damage that Trump is doing to this country right now. And you know the worst thing about the Trump administration is not that it's talked to Russians. It even if collusion is proven with beyond a doubt, even if it is proven that um, that collusion had a definitive impact on the outcome of the election, which is extremely unlikely that, that you know, that causal relationship can be shown. Even that, I would argue, is not the worst thing about the Trump administration. And so the fact that that story is consistently more important somehow than, than the 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 destruction of the State Department, then the blatant corruption of this administration, then the profound deregulation of everything that's that's going on. To my mind, those things are worse. Right. right? They're more important and they're more consequential. And, and their lying about contacts with Russia is nothing special in the context of their essentially lying about everything. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's, that's what makes this story, of course, very special because we're, ta- we're dealing with, we're trying to extract some sort of clear narrative from two parties, both of whom lie all the time about Everything, right? So I was I was I was watching CNN this morning, and there was uh, the lawyer uh, Natalia Veselnitska, I think is her her last name, is lying about whether she represented the the interests of the uh, of the Kremlin, and then there was Don Jr. on the other hand lying about whatever it was that 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 happened in that meeting or that preceding that meeting, or maybe for once he wasn't lying, but but we have to assume. Right, with both sides, that they lie all the time. Yes, the exception would be if they were telling the truth about something. Exactly. So uh, I I know you you remain a skeptic about the collusion story, but is there a possible smoking gun that would convince you? I mean, what would it take to kind of bring you around to the Ann Applebaum point of view? Look, I mean, the question is, convince me of what? There's, you know, when I listen to Ann Applebaum, I don't disagree with her on the facts, mm-hmm. right? I think we we disagree sort of on 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 the spin or, or the tilt, right? So convince me of what? Convince you that Trump colluded with Russians to steal the election and whether it can be proven that that swung the election or not, that he engaged in a conspiracy that would justify prosecution, impeachment, removal from office. I think there's... On its own, right, separate its from own. all the other terrible things so, he's so, done. Okay, separate from all the other terrible things. Um, sure, okay. So what I'm really interested in, actually, uh, is if we if we have a theory of collusion, then why did the product of the Democratic hack or the, the hack of the Democratic National Committee get released through WikiLeaks? That seems like such a complicated and circuitous route, and considering also that Julian, Julian Assange is sort of a rogue free agent in the world. Uh, but very, uh, but very pro Putin of late, right? And didn't he's had a he's had a speaking gig on RT, and he clearly has absolutely. developed a set of relationships there. Right, very pro Putin, and, and very, why would and it very, be so? Very anti Hillary Clinton, um, because. 
honestly, I think it, it, it's much more complicated than what either the Kremlin or the Trump campaign seem to be capable of carrying out, right? I can see Russians delivering the, the trove to, um, to the Trump campaign. That seems like a plausible scenario. For either Putin's people or Trump's people to hold a thought in mind for so long, like a single thought, which we haven't observed the Trump campaign actually, you know, or, or Trump himself being capable of, for so long, and to come come up with a, with such a complicated idea of you know of uh, planting the stuff with with Assange and allowing him to determine the time of release, which would turn out to be strategically brilliant. But complicated. If that were if if that were shown, then yes, I'd come around. Doesn't to, seem boy, to the Assange part of it doesn't seem hard to believe at all. I mean, first of all, it certainly seems the evidence points to that is how WikiLeaks got it. And why wouldn't they use an intermediary? And just because you give it to Julian Assange, if he doesn't do what you want with it, doesn't prevent you from doing something else with it. You've still got you've still got this trove. And so and so and and Trump's people are sitting on it and waiting for Assange to do something? Well, for the, months. What, that, I mean, that's like more self-control than than he's ever exhibited on anything. Oh, you're saying so? You're saying if posit the conspiracy? Yes. Trump is giving a hostage to fortune by letting this uh, this er, erratic actor Julian Assange determine what comes out and how. Right. Right. Except that if the if the Kremlin has given it to Assange, and I mean Trump doesn't have it himself, so he doesn't actually control the outcome. And he's obviously, as as stupid as he might be, got to be careful about communicating with the holders of the information about how they put it out. Assange does – he's a pretty open conduit. I mean, ultimately, he publishes everything in, his, in a very undiscriminating way. And if he's got it and his motives are aligned with, with the Kremlin, he's going to put it out in a, a way that people can then pick over it, which seems to be what happened. Right. But then, then we're losing sort of the Trump connection. Trump people have you're saying they have the Kremlin has promised them that the information will is there and will emerge in time to influence the campaign. I think we've hit on something interesting here Masha you you're looking for a level of proof that's like a legal standard of a criminal conspiracy. I mean you you're looking for a standard of proof that that a US attorney could use to put people in jail. But there's a there's also a common sense standard of creating a narrative around what happened. And, I, think, I, yeah. I think the common sense standard was met when Trump openly said, "Putin, please have your hackers produce the thirty thousand missing emails." Which, of course, they didn't, be, and is why people took that partly as a joke. They don't. They don't have. They it doesn't seem that they did successfully hack Hillary Clinton's emails. They hacked the DNC. What I'm saying is that I'm not going to be surprised at all uh, if more stories of more bottom feeders getting in touch with one another and promising each other things that may, they may or may not actually know anything about, right? Um, I'm not at all convinced that Rob Goldstone, who is the promoter of a single mu- uh, musician who happens to be the son of an Azeri uh, gazillionaire who may or may not have some connections to the Kremlin. Um, I'm not at all convinced that Rob Goldstone actually knew anything that he was talking about. And it, 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 it would actually appear that, uh, entirely plausible that um, he was dangling something in front of Don Jr. just to get him to the meeting, and that when he got to the meeting, he realized there was nothing there, and he left the meeting. 
which would also be supported by the fact that uh, the Trump campaign, which did seem to have a little bit of interest in the Ukraine sanctions when uh, when the Republican um, platform was being debated, never brought up the Magnitsky sanctions. Mm. Right. Um, so I'm not going to be surprised if a lot of this messy stuff emerges, right, of people talking out at the top of their heads and that the hack and the Assange story were proceeding on a separate plane, right? That's something that I think is actually pretty well established at this point. Yeah. Right? I mean, you, so yeah. what would convince me that something different has happened is if we found out that this was, there was actually a scenario and then there were people who were fully aware of the chain of movement of this information and were in agreement with one, with one another. Well, what you're saying in a way is that these people seem too clownish to be master conspirators. And certainly Rob Goldstone is adding to this cast of characters with Carter Page and and Roger Stone and, and Trump himself and the Trump sons. You know, it's sort of a it's like a clown car. But in a way, that's a that's a bit of a dangerous delusion, too, because you can be a you can be a bumbling conspirator. I mean, you can be you can be incompetent and have marginal reputation, but at the same time be engaging in this kind of kind of effort. It's sort of it's almost and I think you've made this point elsewhere. Don't assume that stupid people can't be effective dictators and authoritarians. They make the best ones. Oh, absolutely. I mean I think that stupid stupidity and incompetence are actually important parts of what makes both Trump and Putin so dangerous. But then we have to sort of readjust our imaginations. Right. And that's what takes it sort of down a notch from being a great conspiracy theory, because no, it doesn't explain everything, because there isn't sort of a, a, a clear narrative that takes us from the emergence of Trump to his victory, to his downfall, all by way of the Kremlin. It's all just much more, um, again, messy and kind of in a way much more upsetting. I've been speaking to the author Masha Gessen. Masha, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. That's it for today's show. Are you following us on Twitter, at RealTrumpCast? We keep up with all the latest developments, and you can reach the whole TrumpCast team there. TrumpCast was produced by Jason DeLeon today. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening.